Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, January the 30th. We're almost at the end of the month. And we're going to start out today with one of our most read stories on the site. Bosses at a nursery in Chatham have blamed recruitment difficulties for having to suddenly close. Now, the Sunflower Nursery told around 50 families last week that they'll be shutting for good tomorrow. A number of staff resigned recently and they've struggled to fill the vacancies. But as I'm sure you can appreciate, parents aren't happy and say the short notice has left them with major childcare issues. Well, a recent inspection of the nursery by Ofsted back in September last year rated it as good. Harp Nurseries, which runs the site, has been approached for a comment. Meantime, campaigns are underway across Kent to try and save 35 children's centres from closing. You may well have heard about this. It's part of the County Council's plan to save millions of pounds amid huge pressure on their budgets. The Priory said Centre in Ramsgate is among those at risk and Explorer's Nursery next door would also be forced to shut. Lucy's been chatting with mum Kate Birch who says the nursery has been a lifeline for her. I didn't have many connections and I didn't have an immediate family network of of support through family that were local and for me the guidance that they gave me around, I mean it was was everything really but my first and my second children have both really flourished and their behaviour has levelled off and their independence has grown significantly within, you know, a very short time of being at the nursery. And whenever they identified that I might be struggling with something, even if it's something that wasn't showing itself at the well while they were at nursery, because of course children are often the best versions of themselves when they're away from mum. But I would get, I've, I've had huge amount of advice, guidance, suggestions um, from the nursery, um, which have helped me at home and in, gem- in general in, in in my sort of home family life. The staff there are just they're just very very kind and empathetic and they they're very busy and they have a lot on and yet they always have time and they always notice when you need a bit of extra support. I just wanted to ask how you felt when you heard the news that that explorers could potentially close. Oh, I felt really upset and I have to say initially I hadn't appreciated that the time frame might not necessarily affect my own um, family. However, even even once I'd found that I you know I still feel really really upset and really quite I did feel quite angry as well and I've been speaking to Claire Jones who's the nursery manager I think it's fair to say that um, on behalf of Explorer's team and all of the management at Thanet Early Years Project the KCC's uh, plans alongside the publication of the community consultation came as a came as a shock to us um, there's going to be some real concerns that um, that local 50 families could face quite uncertainty about how they're going to access childcare, especially if we do have to relocate in the future. Tell us a little bit about Explorers and the sort of things that you do. What sort of work do you do? So Explorers is part of a charity run company and we currently offer childcare for over 50 families um, in the Ramsgate area. Um, lots of our children are local, you know, really local. Um, to, to the nursery and we offer a free for two entitlement for the children um, in some of the most you know poorest areas of Thanet. And what sort of support does that give to parents? How does that really help them out? As you say, it's it's an area that we know a lot of people struggle financially. So what could, sort of, how important would you say your service was to that area? Well, for many of our families um, of working parents, it en- enables them to continue to work um, to help face the financial crisis that, that we face. So we need to remain reliable and consistent for each and every family. So as far as you're aware, Claire, what would be the plan if you were 
are going to have to close where you're based at the moment. You mentioned they're relocating. What would that entail? Uh, well, first of all, we'd need to find suitable premises um, within the local area, because I think that although KCC's plans are to keep many of the children's services that happen within the children's centre, they are going to be relocated further afield. And for some parents, in terms of transport, it's it's just not going to be it's not going to be fair. So just a bit more info. Why is this all being done? Well, Sue Chandler is the Cabinet Member for Children's Services at the County Council. It's around making sure that we offer the best services we can and make the best use of our buildings. So uh, it's no secret that we have some uh, financial challenges ahead of us. And uh, spending money on staff and delivering services Um, is often much, much better than spending money on maintaining and running buildings that are not necessarily fit for purpose. Have you been surprised by the reaction that you've had so far? I mean, we've been contacted by an awful lot of children's centres and the nurseries um, who are really opposed to having to close because of they know how they serve the communities and how important they are. Has, has it surprised you what the sense of feeling has been? No, uh, I understand that people um, feel that those services are important to them. Um, and I also understand that um, people uh, are attached to the buildings that have been there for some time and the way that services are delivered. Um so it, it doesn't always mean that just because things have been delivered in, in one way in the past, it is necessarily the best way. But I do understand that people feel that change is often challenging. Now, I think you've said that these services will remain, but they might be elsewhere. And, and I'm sure you're paying a huge amount of attention as to how people would be able to access those. I mean, that, that's quite a complex part of this, isn't it, to make sure that people could still get to services. We've spoken to a nursery in Ramsgate and they were particularly concerned because people on low incomes, you know, if they could walk to one centre, perhaps they couldn't afford to get a bus to another. I mean, what's the thought process been behind where services might relocate to? What we're looking at is delivering the government's family hubs proposals, which are all about bringing services together and not just Kent County Council services, but also services delivered by partners. Um, and in some cases, the voluntary sector, bring them together in one place so that people don't have to go from one place to another to get services. And this is a whole family hub, so 0 to 19 or to 25 for those young people with SEND. Uh, the second thing is that with, within uh, the work that we've done, we've been uh, very careful to take account of uh, access, access for people to those buildings. And we know that... Um, 94% of residents can uh, or within 30 minutes on public transport to access one of those buildings. We're very much mindful of the fact that Kent is a huge county and um, a lot of it is very rural. And, you know, much as we'd love to have buildings and facilities in every village, we can't do it. We just can't do it. So we have to work out the best way to deliver the services where they're most needed. So you mentioned that consultation there. You can access that online by heading to kent.gov.uk and clicking on the Community Services Consultation link. Just to say again, the consultation runs until March the 26th. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. And two men have been arrested following a spate of attacks in Rochester, which left the victims needing hospital treatment. Three men were injured when violence broke out in Blue Boar Lane. The 
the alleged suspects are then said to have left in a car which hit a woman. Her injuries are not thought to be life-threatening. A Canterbury man who left a tractor driver with life-threatening injuries following a crash has avoided going to prison. The tipper truck Lee Ivory was driving collided with the farm vehicle in Wingham in March last year. The 26-year-old from Nicholas Road has been ordered to do 300 hours of unpaid work and banned from driving for two years. Meantime, a Doverman's been pulled over by police after they spotted a child travelling in the footwell of his van. 31-year-old Marcus Biles from St John's Road in Elvington was stopped by officers on Townwall Street last September. He'll be sentenced in April. And four people have been arrested after two separate police chases in North Kent. A stolen car linked to shoplifting at a petrol station was followed by a helicopter in Swanley last Monday night. Shortly afterwards, another vehicle on fake plates was tracked down in Dartford. Now, a Kent MP has promised that government plans to tackle the crisis in the NHS will include recruiting more staff. There are concerns the huge number of vacancies will make thousands of new hospital beds and hundreds of ambulances pretty much useless. Well, Faversham's Helen Waitley is also a health and social care minister. What we're doing today is we're announcing our plan to recover urgent and emergency care. We know that people have been waiting too long in A&E I've had to wait to get ambulances. I know people are really worried about that. You know, if you call an ambulance, you want to know that ambulance is going to come. The £1 billion investment will come from money set out in the autumn budget. Next today, and did you realise you'll have to take photo ID with you to vote in the upcoming local elections? Well, a campaign is underway to make sure we know the new rules which come into force in May. It will also apply to general elections from October. The government think the rules will help prevent voting fraud, but there are concerns it could impact turnout at polling stations if people don't realise or don't have a form of ID with them. Well, I've been chatting to Stuart Bobby, who's the chief exec of Gravesham Borough Council. We are uh, anticipating some issues with it uh, in the sense that a number of people may well turn up at the polling station without the relevant and appropriate voter ID. Um, but that's really where our communications plan comes in in order to make sure that everybody fully understands what is required of them on the day. Um, for those uh, of you who've driven past their civic centre recently, you'll notice that we've now got uh, posters uh, all the way down the side of the civic centre. Uh, we've launched a big social media campaign setting out what people will need to do on the day and what forms of identification will be acceptable. Uh, we are producing articles in the forthcoming edition of Your Borough, which will land on every single doormat, uh, positioning posters around the borough as well, uh, and even putting them... Um, uh, some signage on our refuse freighters, which uh, travel down every street uh, in the borough for, for a time. So uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to get the message out uh, to as many people as possible so that nobody is disenfranchised on the day, uh, should they wish to vote in person. And what about those working at the polling stations? You say there they've got to, to check the ID. Do, presumably they need a bit of extra training then, do they, to, um, to make sure that they're fully up to speed? Indeed, yes. Uh, we will be ramping up our, our efforts when it comes to training the presiding officers and the poll clerks who are in the um, stations so they know exactly what to do, uh, how to handle any difficult situations that might arise and advice that they can give to those who present themselves uh, wishing to vote on the day. We're also recruiting more uh, poll clerks and presiding officers um, to effectively support uh, those persons who are wishing to vote on the day because we're expecting that it might take, might take slightly longer to process each person that comes in. That could result in queues, for example. Um, so 
the idea behind recruiting more people is to uh, make sure everybody has the opportunity to vote uh, within the time frame that's available. Can you give us a, a bit of an idea, Stuart, as to what ID you could bring? Because I know for a fact my grandma doesn't have any form of photo ID. She's 94, but she still may want to cast her vote. What is she able to bring with her? Things like driving licences are acceptable. Um, they don't necessarily have to be in date either, uh, as long as the photo is a likeness to the person uh, that is presenting themselves. Um, you've got uh, passports are acceptable, older person's bus passes, disabled person's bus passes, Oyster 60 plus cards, Freedom Pass, uh, a proof of age card uh, that carries the proof of age standard scheme hologram, um, for example. And then there's various government documents as well, such as biometric immigration document, the Ministry of Defence Form 90, a national identity card issued by an EEA a state. So lots and lots of different forms um, which uh, are uh, acceptable. I've also been speaking to Simon Walsh, who's the council's service manager for communities. The biggest single thing we're doing at the moment is communicating the change, as uh, Stuart's alluded to, you know, letting residents know uh, about the changes and what they need to bring into a polling station. But aside from that, uh, we've got uh, a huge logistical exercise, uh, as in any election, uh, training being a very important part, uh, letting people know uh, who are working in the polling station, what exactly they need to do when they're checking people's ID uh, when they're coming into the polling station. So uh, we have that and we have uh, obviously uh, we have new disability requirements as well at polling stations. So there's quite a few changes that we need to, uh, to consider, train the staff for and plan for. Uh, as you would do in any kind of election preparation being key. Now, obviously, you're doing this huge campaign to try and make sure that everyone is aware of the changes. But for anyone who doesn't end up finding out about them, turns up and they don't have their ID with them, what's the process going to be? Because you don't want really any conflict, do you, occurring when someone turns up to vote? No, absolutely not. So the, the, the process for someone uh, turning up without ID will be that um, clearly they would be asked for ID if they uh, and uh, if they haven't got that, then we'll give the person the opportunity to return back to home to to um, to get the ID uh, that they need, and they uh, come back to the station. We we need to record uh, instances where people are being turned away because they don't have uh, the voter identification, and uh, also we will be recording anyone that returns just to, so the electoral commission who uh, are monitoring uh, the implementation of this change they they can understand the effect that it's had in terms of people turning up to the station. So that will be recorded for the next free set of elections. Uh, and that will be something that, that we'll be doing as well. But I, th I think the important thing to say uh, is that if someone weren't to turn up with ID, then they can clearly go back to their home address, which will more, like, more than likely be very close to the polling station. Uh, then they can come back uh, into the polling station. So it's not a, a one-time only turn up. If you haven't got it, you get turned away. You can certainly return back to the station with that idea. You can let us know what you think by getting in touch. Our email is news at the kmgroup.co.uk. Kent Online reports. 83 people have been rescued by the French Coast Guard while trying to cross the channel to Kent in small boats. Two vessels were intercepted yesterday. Almost a 1,000 asylum seekers have already made the dangerous journey so far this year. A suspected stalker's been charged after a woman was followed through a park in Gillingham. She also reported being verbally harassed by a man she knew while walking across the Great Lines. A 46-year-old appeared before magistrates and is due back in court at a later date. A drug dealer who tried to burn down a house in Tunbridge Wells has been jailed for almost four years. 27-year-old Charlie Moon from Sandhurst Road used a lighter to set fire to a rug while threatening a woman at the property in June 2021. Now, the coastbound slip roads from the M2 to the A249 have reopened today after 
after being closed for months. As I'm sure you may well know, traffic hasn't been able to leave or join the motorway at Junction 5 for Sittingbourne and Maidstone as major work is carried out on the Stockbury roundabout. It's being redesigned to try and ease congestion, which includes building a new flyover. It was quite busy on that stretch this morning. Don't forget, you can hear regular travel bulletins over on our sister radio station at KMFM. The new owners of a Kemp pub insist turning it into a place for car lovers won't encourage so-called boy racers. Roger Gray and Ed Little have taken over the halfway house in Cholock between Ashford and Canterbury. They're already renovating it with a petrol head theme and hope to open in April with a pair from B Road Hunting Club have been speaking to reporter Leanne Castle. I met Ed nearly five years ago now at Mini at Home, uh, which is a car event because we both had minis at the time. And uh, yeah, we just sort of hit it off, got chatting about, you know, setting up something sort of like this. Tough. I don't think either of us thought we'd maybe ever get to this scale. Um, but it was more, you know, we started working out of Ed's shed, to be fair. And uh, yeah, we just thought about setting up something small for like cars and coffees events, you know, etc. Something like that. And then it's just, yeah, somehow, Snow, we've, somehow we've ended up here in Snowboard here. God knows how. Uh, yeah, I mean... So, as Roger said, we met Roger sort of five years ago. I come from, uh, I left the army five years ago. Um, I've done 25 years then um, and left the army. Uh, chef by trade, so catering sort of in my blood. Um, but Roger and I, I was, we were going on a different path and Roger and I created B-Road to go on a, like a very different path. Um, and we just sort of stumbled across the whole cars and coffee and events-based stuff and, you know, there seemed to be, A, it was much easier, um, and there seemed, it seemed to be much more profitable to be doing cars, coffee, that sort of stuff, than building cars, um, which was what we originally, the whole concept of B-Road Hunting Club was all about, building cars. We did a few, um, but and we do a few even now, but they're very much personal builds as opposed for customers. Um, but yeah, we... Um, we never dreamed, um, I guess, working in my shed all those late nights that we'd end up in a and take over a pub in Kent somewhere, um, <laughs> with the idea that it is going to be a food-led um, pub, but with the add-on of car events and for our members. Um, we're very lucky that this is a space that we found because it's got a commercial kitchen and restaurant downstairs in the pub um, that needs a complete revamp. Um, but it's also got an outdoor sort of pizza kitchen slash uh, sort of bar that can service the car community um, in the field as well. Kent Online reports. A Kent Leisure Centre has been forced to close its swimming pools because of heating issues. It was adults only at Medway Park yesterday after parents complained about children getting really cold during lessons. Well, now no one will be able to use the pools and there's also no hot water for showers. Bosses have apologised. Residents in a Kent village say they've had enough of putting up with broadband speeds that are slower than most parts of Scotland. People living in Rootham Heath often struggle to access the internet 
internet and one business owner has been forced to travel to a co-working space in Sevenoaks to get anything done. Openreach say they're investing millions of pounds to improve services in hard-to-reach areas. An update now on a story we brought to you on the podcast earlier in the month and bosses at a Thanet Art School say it's out of immediate danger after managing to raise a whopping £50,000. It means students at the Margate School will be able to complete their courses this academic year and facilities will remain open to the community. The next step is to try and secure the school in the former Woolworths building on the High Street. Now, this was one of our most read stories from over the weekend. A really lovely one. Three teenagers have been praised for saving an elderly man who collapsed in Raynham High Street. The Howard School six formers sat down with the 81-year-old, gave him some water and carried his shopping after he fell over. 18-year-old Owen Edwards has been telling us why he decided to help. I feel like it's important that every person deserves the same treatment and if if that had been me or my nan or my granddad, I feel like it's, it's crucial that I would have wanted someone to help out then. So it would have felt completely unjust to have walked past and carried on without offering help that I can provide, to be honest. Well, Russell Kimball and his dad, Richard, say they're incredibly grateful. Well, you hear so, so much bad press about youngsters of today and uh, I just think the way that they looked after my dad when he fell over in Rainmire Street was absolutely fantastic. Um, they deserve a bit of accolade for what they did. Not only did they uh, sit him down, get him some water, they carried his shopping home and made sure he was safely over the front doorstep, delivered safely to my mum uh, before they carried on with their school day. So it was vitally important for me to say thank you to them. Richard, what do you think about the boys? Well, I was really amazed and I was really grateful because I don't know what would have happened if they hadn't been there. You, you hear such horror stories about youngsters today that it, it, I'm really gobsmacked, to be honest. Kent Online News. Plans for a new Lidl in Swanley have been officially submitted. The store would be built off London Road near Junction 3 of the M25. Meantime, an Aldi in Thanet is going to be closed for nearly six weeks for a major refurbishment. The store in Cliftonville will shut on the 18th of February before reopening with a brand new layout at the end of March. A new cafe at one of Kent's biggest parks is finally due to open in the spring. It's cost £2.5 million and taken a year and a half to build the facility at Moat Park in Maidstone. One of the rooms inside will be dedicated to the town's Alessia Russo, who was part of the Lionesses squad who won the Euros last summer. You'll have the best chance of seeing a rare green comet in the skies above Kent this week. It's passing close to Earth for the first time in 50,000 years. At Kent Online you can see footage already captured by an astrophotographer on Sheppey. The comet should be most visible on Wednesday. Zara Larson's been telling our sister radio station KMFM how her new song was inspired by 80s music. She's teamed up with Eronike to write Can't Tame Her, which she's described as fun, energetic and upbeat. The 25-year-old was on the Kent Top 40 with Alex and Numi last night. I've been waiting for this um, for a long time and I just feel really, really happy. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be amazing. Like, I just feel excited. Usually before release, I'm a little anxious, I'm a little nervous, but now I'm just like, let's go. Yeah. When did you write this That's song? Fun. Have you had it waiting for a while or? Um, you know, not too long. I think I'm also comparing to my previous album, Poster Girl, which took me about four years to yeah. put together. <laughs> so this song I've had for maybe six months or so. Okay. Uh, like half a year. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been waiting. It's been, it's been ready. 
So it's really nice to just like release it to the world and um, kind of let go over the control, you know, and just see how it reacts with people. Yeah. So I um I have I have had a cheeky listen and it is an absolute oh. banger. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. It's upbeat. It's energetic. Uh, it makes me really happy when I listen to it. And uh, it makes me want to dance and have a great time. If you missed their chat, you can listen back in full at kmfm.co.uk. And Flowers by Miley Cyrus has made it two weeks at number one on the Kent Top 40. Canterbury's Mimi Webb has moved up to second with her song Red Flags. 10.35 by Tate McRae and Tiesto is at three. Kent Online Sports. Football and it was a pretty incredible yet slightly frustrating game for Gillingham at the weekend. After going 1-0 down to Swindon in the first minute, they were leading 3-1 just 15 minutes later but two goals in the second half from the home side saw the Jills have to settle for a point as it finished three all manager Neil Harris spoke to us after the game I'm delighted to get a point on the road again um, it's another point gained it's a point that pushes in the right direction three games unbeaten seven points uh, out of nine three goals scored we now scored 73 games we scored 70 23 before that so it's, it's a massive step um, all, all I said to the players I was disappointed second half which is the decision making which led to probably the second or third goals I don't think we necessarily threw it away I think they earned it Swindon was maybe played a little bit too deep at times and, and, and never got quite out to the ball like I hoped but overriding feeling is I'm pleased with a point we'll all be disappointed with being 3-1 up and drawing 3-0 but I think there'll be a realisation as well that we scored three goals. We scored two last week, two the week before. We scored seven in three, seven points in three games. Um, we're sucking in people above us in, in the division. And you know the, the demand for me and my players is to go past them and then catch others as well. Um, so again, it's just a massive positive. Um, and even here, being 3-1 up with, with half hour to go and end up 3 all, I'm still really positive and I've got a smile on my face and, and, and I can't wait to get to work Monday. Mm. It's good that you've got a smile on your face as well. It's a year in the job now, isn't it, on Tuesday, I think. Yes. Very up and down, yeah? It, yes, yeah, it's been very different. Um, um, and, yeah, look, we, we, we've got a great change room now and, and uh, we're a happy camp um, and we're, we're looking forward, not backwards. We know we still need to add to the group. We, we know that. We still want to add a couple more, um, if possible. Really pleased with the business we've done. I think everybody is really pleased with the business we've done. Um, and we've set our standards really high on the players we've brought in. Um, now it would be difficult to do any permanent deals between now and Tuesday so we might probably looking at loans same as Connor coming in looking at loans there could be outs and, and, and hopefully ins as well it's a great atmosphere today it's a great occasion Gillian coming to Swindon I uh, thought the crowd on the whole was, was excellent as a rivalry between the clubs and, and the fans come in their numbers they come because it's Swindon and they want to come and see their team do well against Swindon in a rivalry, but they come because of the belief that's building within the football club. Um, and you know, we thank them for their support and a safe journey home. Um, and we look forward to a sold-out Priestfield next week. The Jills remain one place off the bottom of the table and welcome Crawley Town, as the manager said, to a sold-out Priestfield on Saturday. Staying with football and former Jills manager Steve Lovell has left his job as boss of Ramsgate. It's come as a bit of a shock as they've been top of the Isthmian Southeast League for most of the season and are currently 
currently in second. And in cricket, to one date, Maye will be staying with Kent until at least the end of 2025. The 21-year-old batsman has represented the county across all formats over the past two seasons. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Plus, you can get all the details of the top stories direct to your email each morning. That's via the briefing and to sign up, you need to just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.